cutting-edge conversations with the quant community. Welcome all to a new QuantCast with me, Mauro Cesar, and Nesnain Sharif. Hi, Nesnain. Hi, everyone. Our guest today is George Hong of Credit Suisse, talking to us from uh, their Hong Kong office. He is uh, Managing Director and Head of the Asia-Pacific Quantum Risk Strategies there. Good to have you with us, George. How are you? Very good. Thank you for uh, having me here today. Our pleasure. Um, I should also mention that you and your team were awarded Asia Quant House of the Year in 2017 by Risk.net. And that was largely because of your work on corridor variance swap. Um, today, we are talking about something different, and uh, we're talking about a specific type of exotic options, the quantity adjusting options, or as they are commonly known, quanto options. Just to explain very briefly, quantas are instruments that allow the investor to take a position in a foreign security while hedging its currency risk. Uh, George, your paper, uh, Skewing Quanta with Simplicity, is online now in Risk.net, and it is in the May issue of Risk. Um, Just to put things into context, uh, could you tell us why quanta options are so important and uh, so popular in the market today? Yep, sure. You can start with that. And I think um, the textbook answer to why quantos are popular, right? So if you go, you know, go to the literature and so on, a lot of the textbook, is that um, basically they allow investors to trade the underlying asset performance without taking on the exchange rate risk, right? I mean, the, this statement is certainly true and probably is the main reason 20 years ago for why quanto options. But I think perhaps it it's no longer presents the whole picture in the current globalized uh, derivative market. Right? So in this day and age of global economy, I think many institutional investors right, and, and high, less, high net worth individuals and, and even retail clients, right, they pro- proactively trade in multiple markets. So in fact, they can be very comfortable taking positions with uh, exchange rate risk if they find the risk reward attractive. Right? And, and in fact, the main theme, you know, both in the structured product market and the hedge fund industry over the past decade has been a quest for higher yield and higher alpha, right? wherever the opportunities are. Right? So I think the main reason for why quantos um, remain popular and um, is attracting even more popularity, right, um, is that um, in a low interest rate environment, a quanto structural product can simultaneously offer enhanced yield to better funding in a certain high yield currency and at the same time captures the upside of the equity performance that can be in a different market. Right? So, for example, if an investor is bullish on Nikkei, right, the Japanese index, um, but the interest rate is, is too low right, on the Japanese yen, then by choosing a, a, a quanto derivative, which has the payoff currency in, say, Australian dollars, which has obviously has a much higher interest rate, then one can get the best of both worlds, right? So compared to a non-quanto vanilla note, which is yen denominated. Right? So that's one reason. And then also, whenever you have a multi-underlying basket across different markets, say, for example, a, a worse of or best of option on S&P, Eurostocks, Nikkei, and so on, all of which have different currencies, then the fact that you know you, you all have 
you know, these, these underlying spending in different markets would naturally call for the quantum feature. Uh, so I think these two factors combined explain why a very significant portion of the structured markets, um, product markets today, um, are, are all quantos. So effectively, you have freedom to have the funding right, and the equity performance uh, separated. And as an investor, it's very attractive to, best, to, to get the best out of the both worlds. So your paper um, highlights the difficulties in uh, valuing uh, quanto derivatives. Um, so when does valuing these products become difficult? Is it uh, the presence of things like volatility skew in the product? Yes, yes. Because I think, I think when the quanto feature first came out in the um, 1990s, right, volatility modeling was actually a lot simpler. Right? So for example, constant ball, you know, black show framework, there's in fact a very elegant solution to price the quantos. So effectively, you can just adjust the drift by a constant amount and reuse the same pricing formula, right? And then you get the right answer. Um, and this approach actually goes beyond the simple vanilla option. So effectively, you can implement quantum pricing in a generic fashion for any quantum payoff, right? Um, without actually, you know, re-engineer your, your pricing library. In a significant way, right? And this is known as the famous quantum drift adjustment, right? And the beauty of this approach is that you, you you change the model a little bit, and and you can price both the quantum version and the non-quantum version consistently, right? Uh, but the caveat, obviously, is that you are in a constant volatility right framework, right? And when you move, the problem is that when you move from the constant vol assumption, right, to say a, a volatility model. Right, this approach is strictly speaking not um, that accurate anymore. Right, and and theoretically speaking, the most accurate way to value this general quantum derivative, right, um, is to treat it as an FX hybrid product. Right, so if you know this equity note, right, then it becomes an equity FX hybrid. If your you know payoff is um, you know on rates on CMS, then it becomes a rate FX hybrid product. Right. Um, but this means that you effectively increase the dimensionality of the valuation problem. And this obviously requires a lot of implementation work to recode your library, right? and, and also it has um, you know, sort of a knock-on effect of increased computational cost. So for example, if you're pricing uh, uh, using Monte Carlo, you know, a node on, on five equity underlines, right? and each of them have different underlying currencies, Right. So rather than just simulating five equity, you know, processes, right, path, need to simulate these five and additional five FX process as well. And and if you're pricing using PDE, then you know you you may double your dimension, right? And so for example, if you have a two-dimensional PDE, then it becomes a you know four-dimensional, three-dimensional PDE, which you know becomes prohibitive, right, and impractical to calculate. So that's the that's the challenge behind it. Okay. So, um, are there any kind of uh, simplified or shortcut approaches that quants typically use in the industry at the moment to you know value quantum derivatives uh, under the condition of uh, vault skew? Yeah, yeah. So I think because of yeah. these you know additional implementation costs, computational costs, and so on, right? Um, in fact, it is possible to tweak the the old approach, right, the constant drift approach, right, and and with with um, 
you know, the ability to make sure the market observable are still repriced, right? Um, and uh, say, for example, um, uh, in the equity market, right? Um, the only observable or the most liquid um, traded instrument is the quantum forward, right? And and that's what people use to calibrate the equity forex uh, correlation, right? So now. Remember that there are actually two places, right, where the equity volatility comes in into the the, the, the quantum pricing equation, right? So one is on the drift term, and the other one is on the diffusion term, right? So a, a, a common sort of simplified approach is that we enable the volatility skew in the diffusion term, right, which is obviously more important. But then on the drift term, you know, potentially you can reuse the same method, right, as in the constant ball world. And, but, but at the same time, we align this such that the quantum forward is repriced, right? So, so as long as that's, 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 um, you know, that's aligned, right, then to the first order, the model is still workable, right? So it's, 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 um, but that, that's obviously a simplified approach. And how inaccurate would you say this uh, simplified approach is? How much mispricing can you, can you expect? Yeah, so I think the amount of mispricing is um, is actually highly dependent on uh, a number of factors, right? Um, so, for example, on the equity FX correlation, on the you know the the skew, on the at the money vol level, and so on and so forth, right? And in fact, the sh the whole shape of the implied vol surface, right? And I think you know they, there's been some classical paper on this front, right? So Peter Jackal, right, published a paper you know ten years ago, right, which is um, which highlighted the issue, right, and uh, and and there he noted the pricing to be you know several percentage ballpoints, right, but uh, but that that was um, back then when volatility and correlation and skew um, probably was very high after the financial crisis. But right now, you know, we're in a diff different regime, right? Ball is much lower, you know, skew potentially lower, and also you know potentially lower you know equity FX correlation. Right. So, so you know, the the magnitude is um, is very specific to the pair, right? And and these market variables, right? Um, you know, let's say for example the you know uh, S and P and Euro dollar, right? The correlation Hoover's you know can be you know around zero, right? And it can go plus ten percent, minus ten percent, and so on and so forth, right? So when it's around zero, then you hardly see any impact, right? But um, you know, if it's much higher, you know, the the, the impact can be, can range from 10 bips, 20 bips, 40 bips, or or even you know reaching one one ball point, right? So it's highly um, specific to the actual um, um, market variables. So in your paper, um, you introduce um, you know a much more effective um, you know way of. Uh, valuing uh, quantum derivatives in the presence of Waltzkue. So, how how do you um, do that? What is the innovation in your paper, and how does it ensure the accuracy of pricing of quantum options? Yep, yep. So, so in the, I, I think what I, I I'm sharing right is uh, is a new semi-analytical method right, to value quantum derivatives that that's very fast and hopefully quite easy to implement. Right. Um, and and it applies essentially the stochastic collocation um, technique to this quantum skew problem, right? And effectively, it decomposes the valuation problem, you know, uh, in mathematical term, into a inner conditional expectation. 
and another outer unconditional expectation. And basically, they can they you know both of these can be approximated very well by polynomial expansions, right? And if you do that, then a lot of the terms right can derive can be derived in closed form, and um, and and then finally we apply you know the concept of control variance to improve the accuracy, right? So um, and and also this this comes in two part right the method I'm showing one is for pricing you know simple quantum vanillas. And the other one is more general quantum derivatives, right? And, and the second part basically it provides an enhanced version of that that constant quantum drift adjustment by making that drift spot dependent. Right? And and the idea came from a, a earlier paper, right, twelve years ago by Professor Madan and and and, and co. Right? And essentially um, that that drift term, right? If you make it local. Right, so similar to local volume, if you make it a local drift, then uh, um, essentially you can uh, reprice all the, um, the 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 quantum option, right, the terminal distribution accurately. So, what advantages do you bring with this new methodology? Um, is your is your model faster, uh, computationally efficient? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that's certainly one advantage, right? Because I think. Basically, the, the old um, ad hoc approach or simplified approach, right? Um, I think they were very successful um, because of a few things, right? Um, it was very simple to understand, right? It's uh, universal, right? And it was very easy to implement, and it was also very fast, right? So what I'm hoping to achieve is that this new method can retain all these advantages but at the same time, be much more accurate in capturing the ball, ball skew, right? So, um, and, and this model is, is faster than the full sort of Monte Carlo, PDE, or the corpora integration approach, right? Um, so, so, you know, say for example, for a quantum vanilla option, right, it's, it's like half a millisecond to, to compute one option, right? And if you batch them up, right, and value several options, right, um, with the same maturity in one go, then you can get even faster. Right, so I think it's 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 you know satisfactory or well, even for production usage, and my hope is that you know it's simple enough for you know for people for many market participants right in different market segment to implement, and essentially you know make um, make it more accessible right for people to quantify the um, the, the skew impact. So, are there any um, obstacles or you know challenges to the implementation of your model that a quanta trader needs to be aware of? Um, yeah, I think I think potentially might need to pay attention, you know, to to the volatility on the wings, right? Because I, I've taken an approach that's 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 you know more global, right? In the sense that the method samples a wide range of um, um, you know strikes, wide range of volatilities, right? For for different strikes. Um, and, and some of them can go quite, you know, far out of the money, right? In order to capture the full distribution. So um, if um, your input volatility, right, um, have arbitrages on the wings, then I think one needs to address that before, you know, calling the method, right? And and also because the the, the method is, you know, uh, make use of polynomial uh, expansion, and um, it would naturally. You know, so so that it can naturally capture the um, the smooth ball surface, right? Um, and which means that basically, if you have a parametric implied ball, you know, model, right? Say Gatherer's SDI or the 
variants, right? Um, then um, you know it it is it, quite accurate, right? Um, but if your library uses non-parametric implied ball and so on, then you know you might have to pay extra care. Um, leaving aside the uh, model you presented in this paper, uh, what are the other areas of research you're working on at the moment, or you're planning to work on in the near future? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, um, that's a top secret, right? So, uh, no, actually, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, uh, there are actually many other areas that I think one can potentially apply this kind of technique, right? Which I think, um, um, you know, it's, it's, um, uh, it was, you know, stochastic collocation technique, which was introduced by Professor Usterly and, um, Gerlaka, right? And, and I think, you know, potentially there might be other problems that, that can be, quite interesting and one can apply this technique and also I'm interested to see if we can apply this to you know to say in a in a stochastic volatility setting right um, and then obviously you have other areas um, you know more general classical problems right which which can be also interesting they are a wide range of um, you know sort of data analytics uh, problem which has uh, uh, become quite hard in in recent you know in uh, recently and then I think they are all interesting problems to tackle Sounds good. So, uh, so leaving that research aside, are there any other open questions right now in quantitative finance that are particularly relevant in the Asian market? Um, I think I think these days the uh, the derivatives market ha has really gone global, right? And and similarly for problems in finance, right? So um, when people look at initial margin in U.S. and Europe, right? Uh, you know, people face the same issue in Asia, right? And then, you know, vice versa, when people try to price a new hybrid product, say, in, in Asia, right, and people in, in Europe and in U.S. might be very interested too, right? So I think people constantly collaborate and share the interesting problem to solve between different ge geographical locations. Right? So, um, so I don't think there are too many Asia-specific, you know, you know, quant finance problems to solve. Right, um, but I think on a less technical front, right, um, you know, there there is something quite relevant for the Asian market, right. And I think recently, you know, the the Risk Magazine actually ran a red article on on this, right, that talk about the quant drought in Asia, right. So basically, I think there's a high demand and low supply of quants, right, in the in the Asian market, right. And I think with a lot of exciting trend and you know. Say, for example, incorporating data science into, you know, quant finance and, and so on. There are actually a lot of interesting problems to solve, right, on the ground here in Asia. Right? So I think, yeah, it would be great if we can see more quants moving to the region, right? And, um, yeah, they, they are, you know, many interesting problems to solve. Oh, that is an interesting point. George, thank you very much. These were all the questions we wanted to ask you today. Uh, thank you very much again for joining us, and it's been a great pleasure. My pleasure too. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. And thanks everyone for listening.